Here's an HIV pill dilemma for you. Picture the scene. There's a rooftop sunset with fairy lights and you're vibing with friends. You remember you've got to take your HIV pill. Important, yes, but the fun moment is gone. Did you know there's a long-acting treatment option available? So catch the sunset and keep the party going. Visit PillFreeHIV.com today to learn more. Brought to you by Vive Healthcare. Today and every day, Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Lawmakers who oppose abortion are attacking Planned Parenthood, which means affordable, high-quality basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. The right to control your own body and get the health care everyone needs has been stolen. And now politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills that would block people from getting the sexual and reproductive care they need. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves health care. It's a human right. That's why they fight every day to push for common sense policies that protect your right to control your own body and against policies that interfere with decisions between patients and their doctor. Planned Parenthood needs your support now more than ever. With supporters like you, you can help reclaim your rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future. That's PlannedParenthood.org future. Hello, lady. Hello, lady. <laughs> I'm Saeed Jones. And I'm Zach Stafford. And you are listening to Vibe Check. This week, we are talking about a deadly incident in Chicago that has us questioning men and more essentially like patriarchy, right? Like yeah. the real shit behind all the other shit in our lives. But also, you know, look, this holiday weekend is coming up. And I just personally wanted to ask, where did all the cookouts go? Where are where they? Where did they go? Before we get into all of that and, and even do our vibe checks, we want to send our love, our deep love to our mm. friend Sam those of you who've been following along may know that Sam lost his mother recently and is with family in San Antonio. Yep. And our thoughts, our warmth, our grace are with him and his loved ones. Yeah, we're just really thinking about our sister and just hoping she's doing well. We talk to her often and she is doing well. And we're just so, I mean, the thing about Sam that you all probably know is that she is the strongest girl we know. It is really something. And we just are really... So glad she's able to be with family this week. So we miss her. We can't wait for her to return. But until then, we want all of you to be sending positive vibes her way. And I saw Sam, because Sam posted the obituary for his mother, which is beautiful on Twitter mm, if you would like yeah. to read it. And I know he also said, you know, let this be an opportunity for me to encourage all of you to hug someone you love. So yeah. make sure you do that today if you can yeah. but uh zach beyond that what's your vibe a lot <laughs> a, lot. <laughs> a lot has happened since our last a lot has happened so... <laughs> i'm full maybe too full like too full mm. from like love life and liquor mm -hmm. like all together i'm in la i'm back you're not back yet but mm -hmm. as you all know we were in boston and new york city for our live shows and it was just 
I didn't know we had that many friends in Boston. So I'm just shook. Who knew? <laughs> Huge in Boston. Huge in Boston. I had so much trauma from going to Boston so many years of all the <laughs> anti-blackness and racism and all that. But now I'm healed. I love Boston. Boston's my girl. We had a wonderful time. We had a wonderful time. Made some friends. Went out. Yeah. Probably shouldn't have. So that's the thing. That's why I wanted to bring <laughs> we up We probably should have just gone to bed. We should have gone to bed because I'm still hungover from Thursday. Mm-hmm. It is now Tuesday. I'm hungover since Thursday. So I, I'm just wanting to take a break from drinking. I love Pride, but I'm too proud now. I want to go to bed. I can't wait for it to no longer be this <laughs> Your Pride has so. transitioned fully into hubris. Yeah. Hubris. Um, Huge hubris. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess my, my vibe is similar. And of course, Zach and I have really been just traveling trains planes automobiles together for the last week or so yeah last week was a wonderful but wonderfully busy week i did a book event in pittsburgh by myself to talk about poetry and memoir writing with actually it was the folks at duolingo they invited me in for it's like a fireside chat with site jones i was like okay and then yeah and then i i flew to boston to meet you and that show yeah and that was our first live show which is always intimidating but sold out we mm-hmm. signed. Oh, we don't have merch yet, so we we just have like vibe jet <laughs> stickers. So we signed stickers for I believe just under two hours, which is pretty astounding. But yeah, it was so wonderful. And then yeah, New York. I mean, and it's just you know, you know, you have friends and people you know who personally want to come out and support you, and that's always great. But I think it's I, I'm still I. You know, for everything that I've gotten to experience at this point in my career as an author, I'm just always shook to walk onto a stage and then look out and just see a full house mm-hmm. of of strangers of people who I don't know who decided to make time to invest their time yeah. their money you know there's so many look it's pride weekend in new york city for example yeah. right and it's like yeah. on a friday night you've come yeah. to a live podcast recording wow that is love. <laughs> it was really, it is. It was like overwhelming at times because you know mm-hmm. we all grow up as people in this world who struggle to find love that feels good. You know, being queer, mm. being black, being all these things. So to step on stages and have so much love that feels good is overwhelming. And to have people travel to you, we met people who flew in from California to Boston to see the show. Right, people come down from Maine. My little sister, who was in San Francisco, flew and surprised me in New York, mm-hmm. and I found out on stage. So she was texting me earlier in the day. This like, what she told me. She was like, I know Zach really likes to plan. So how do we? (laughs) (laughs) I do love to plan. And she knows stories of like surprises in the past haven't gone so well for me. I'm a bit too like obsessed with why didn't I know and how am I just oh. not, <laughs> not you trying to do an investigative reporter like, oh, I'm like how, how did you this? do this and then I start Ooh. looking into every conversation I had and be like oh you were lying to me Craig I see oh what my. you were doing right oh my goodness <laughs> oh god I'm, but it was a fun surprise this was but it was just so much love it was great so much love and listeners if you weren't able to be in New York City it's okay that show will actually air next week so you'll yeah, be able to hear that. I'm going to say while we're at the cookout and stuff, but it's entirely possible that Zach and I use the holiday just to nap. That's um, true. But you, you can listen to our 92nd Street Y show then. Yeah. And I will say it is chaos. It is holding oh, heights yeah. of chaos in person because we have an audience giving us real-time feedback. Where it was a very hype audience. <laughs> Everyone had their little cups of wine and yeah, we were feeling yeah, good. Yeah, and what I will say <laughs> is there was no Chantel to Texas in the middle of Ooh, this. Oh yeah, we gotta stop. move on. Don't Though do we that. Were using the clock. I was really trying to I had all we the little trying. time stamps. <laughs> <laughs> but we were just like fully 
unleashed yeah. out there. <laughs> we were unleashed. And then Penn Batchley, it's just, you know, I, I've gotten a sense of, you know, via kind of research and, and just being a fan myself that he is someone with something to say. So I, I knew yeah. that, but I think I let the conversation with Penn go in like 10 minutes longer than yeah. we originally yeah. planned just because it was so good. And I mean... At one point, I think I joked. I was like, look, y'all, I almost said amen earnestly <laughs> in response to something. <laughs> I was so moved. And I was like, reel it in, Saeed. Reel it I in. I mean, this but man was, was quoting bell hooks accurately mm-hmm. on stage. Can mm-hmm. quote Zadie In detail. Smith, I mean, in, in detail. detail. Yeah. It was Woo. really something. So he is smart. He does his reading. He is allyship kind of manifested. And uh, he's not too bad to look at. So definitely listen to that episode <laughs> next week. <laughs> That'll be fun. All right. Well, before we get into this episode, we want to thank all of you who have sent us fan mail or reached out to us on social media. We absolutely love reading your messages. And also, if you have pictures from the event, please send them to us. We love looking at those. Oh, yeah. I love that. I love that. Well, with that, let's jump into our actual show and get to this week's other chaos that we need to talk about. Take a deep breath and dive on in. Here we go. All right, so first today, we're going to talk about a story that emerged over the weekend out of Chicago involving Carlisha Hood and her son. So here are the facts, and then we're going to dive into what all of this means and how we're kind of thinking about this video. So over the weekend, a mother and her son were facing murder charges after Clarisha Hood allegedly encouraged her 14-year-old son to repeatedly shoot a man, his name is Jeremy Brown, after he attacked her while she was waiting in line for food on the south side of Chicago. Brown was shot twice by her son, who Clarisha did text and say come in to help her because she was being violently attacked. And if you watch the video, it's so hard to watch. It's incredibly disturbing. Uh, The man involved, I I accidentally watched the video. I don't know if I would have watched it otherwise, but he like fully kind of winds up his arm and punches her. I mean, just full force in the head. I'm, I'm really grateful she's okay. And then does it again. Does it twice? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's astoundingly violent. And because it is a restaurant, they have multiple views, and her right. son was at the door watching mm-hmm. this happen. So imagine 14 watching her mother being hit by a man in a restaurant. And I know you may be thinking, it must have been empty. They must have been by themselves. Mm-hmm. They were not. There were lots of men, grown men, watching this happen who even moved out of the way to let it continue to happen moved out of the way to let this man come and begin to accost her it is it's astounding it's really something i know i've said that word several times but really i just it's shocking to see even just beyond the facts you know yeah and so what you should also know is that the mother did have a license to carry card and a foid card so she had all the right cards to prove that that gun in her car was hers and even with that when the police arrived the five officers that arrived they arrested her and charged her and her son immediately and held them on bonds that were millions and millions and millions of dollars but after these charges made the news and the video started going viral the state's attorney kim fox announced that she was dropping the charges due to insufficient evidence to really hold murder charges, which are huge charges to put onto somebody. Carlisha and her son were immediately released, and then just hours before we started taping the show, it was announced that she and her son would be suing and filed a lawsuit against the Chicago police and the five officers that arrested them. She said in her statement this morning, on June 18th of this year, my life changed, my son's life changed, never in a million years would I have imagined being brutally attacked, beaten, and then arrested. So, 
with all that, let's start off with how we felt seeing the video. Saeed, you said you saw it on accident. What were your thoughts as you were watching this? Yeah, it was like late one night. I'm on my phone kind of scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. What's this? Click and then, oh my goodness. I guess like as I mentioned, to me, there's kind of like circles and circles and circles of resonance with this mm -hmm. tragic incident. But in addition to me just being shocked before I really understood the context of watching this man, because he's, he's basically the part of I saw that I saw is like, he's like, say one more thing, say one more thing, yeah. I'm going to hit you. And she like, you know, she says something and he just winds up and punches her and then punches her again full force. I mean, there's no incident in which hitting, you know, hitting a woman, hitting another person, you know, is appropriate or okay. But I was just like, oh my God, he, he just wailed on her. But then... Yeah. Because at least the angle of the video I saw, I see at least four or five black men who, from my perception, look older, growner than me. I mean, these are men who made me think of uncles, older mm -hmm. cousins, you know, grandfather, like that kind of age. And the fact that it's very clear that they have moved out of the way to give him space. Yeah. My first honest thought when I saw the video and kind of put my phone down was... I now understand, I'm 37 years old, every time in my life, a man like one of those men has accused me of being weak or being a mm -hmm. coward. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely projection. It is mm -hmm. absolutely projection. What cowardice. Yeah. I just, because to understand like from where the camera angle is and these men, that somewhere behind the camera is a 14-year-old son yeah. not just watching his mother get brutally attacked, but watching men twice or three times his age, not just complacently witness, but laugh along yeah. as this yeah. man's attacking his mother. I, so you know what I mean? So that was my first thought, just like, oh, we need to talk about cowardice and, and misogyny yeah. and its brutal consequences. Yeah, what about you? It's very similar. And when I first saw it, I, I didn't know that anyone had been shot. What I mm. thought had happened was a woman was in line with a bunch of men around her, something happened, and they let someone beat her up. And that someone had tweeted, you know, well, I bet her son's going to go after that guy. And I was like, mm. oh, this must be like a Twitter joke. Like, oh, like mm. you beat up, someone needs to come after him. And then I started reading the articles. Mm -hmm. And what stunned me when I started reading the reporting from CBS Chicago, which is who broke the story, which I was colleagues when I lived in Chicago with a lot of these reporters that worked on the story. What stuck out to me was that she was texting her son to come in. And that broke my heart because that meant... There was a lot of time that lapsed here. This wasn't like a 30-second thing. Oh, that's a good point. There's a lot of time, and she knew she didn't have any allies in that room. That no one in that room was going mm. to help her. That she had to... And looking around, these men, like the man that has been shot and died, he was mm -hmm. 32 years old. She's 35. Everyone in that room looked their age or older. So we're dealing with grown mm -hmm. folks. Mm -hmm. As she's dealing with this incident with grown folks, she thinks, I need to call my 14-year-old son from the car to grab the gun, come in and protect me because no one's going to come in here and do this. And it just really broke my heart that you can be in a community restaurant that you probably go to all the time and one right. thing go wrong and people don't step up to help you, especially when you're a black woman. And it just makes me think so much about, you know, as we're going to talk more about misogyny and gun rights in America, it made me think about Malcolm X a lot. And Malcolm X was very ardent about the most disrespected woman in America as a black woman. And he would always mm -hmm. point to so many examples of that. In fact, I think he says the most disrespected person 
person. In America yeah. is a black woman. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So this clip for me just kind of really shows that in reality and just broke my heart. And then once we got to, she was immediately arrested, charged, right. all of these right. things. I was like, how, why are we doing this so fast? And that's what I mean. Like the circles and circles of resonance and compounding tragedy that is so often the case. Yeah. I mean, to experience that kind of violence and then immediately just you know because i've been in new york city for the last few days i mean you know just on the street or on the subway the moment i see a cop at this point i know my pulse increases so to put ourselves in her shoes for a moment like you've just been violently attacked and imagine how upsetting it must be to be violently attacked in a room full of people who did not help you like that would be salt in in the literal wounds Mm -hmm. and then cops come sweeping in and it's just and we know so often a cop just walking into the same space as a black person can very quickly become another fatal incident it's just there's just so much yeah and then also just like the way in which this mother and son having those charges dropped is probably very much related to the community activist Mm -hmm. in chicago videotaping it and making a point to put it on social media like that this kind of violence has to go viral in order for for justice. To, you know, it, yeah. I don't know. There's yeah. something there that really yeah. freaks me out too. Yeah, yeah, well, there's a lot. There's a lot there. But something you've been talking to me a lot about, I think this helps kind of widen the aperture a bit, is this bigger question that people may be asking themselves, which is why didn't you just call the police? You know, you get hit, why right. don't you run to the police? And we know that black people, especially black women in certain parts of town, don't feel like they can because things may not go their way. Saeed, I feel like you have an example just recently of an incident where a parent called the police and it didn't go their way. Right. And this is from an NPR article, May 26, 2023. Listeners, some of you might remember this. I'll just read a couple of paragraphs. Adarian Murray, age 11, called 911 for help at his home in Indiola, Mississippi. But after police arrived, an officer shot him in the chest. The boy is recovering, but his family is asking for answers, and they want the officer involved to be fired. Again, this is from late May, so I'm sure there are some updates since then. But the next paragraph is just... Adarian's mother, Nicola Murray, says she told her son to call her mother and the police after the father of one of her other children appeared at their house in the early hours of Saturday, May 20th. She was concerned for her safety, Murray said. But when police arrived, things went terribly wrong. An officer ordered people out of the home and then shot 11-year-old Adarian Murray after he left his room. And, And Adarian apparently later said to his mother, why did they shoot me? What did I do before he started crying? Uh, so yeah, it's important. We, we wanted to make it clear that we're not just talking about one incident, something that happened in Southside Chicago. There's a broader phenomenon. It doesn't feel that there's a coincidence of these stories in which women, mothers are being attacked. And the mothers know, essentially, mm-hmm. and the sons know that the only person that's going to be there is like 11-year-old boy, 14-year-old boy, yeah. You know what I mean? Children. And and yeah, and so in the in the children. And so in this case of, in Mississippi, you're right. It again, it underscores something that all black people understand that calling the police is it's not something we can count on. It's a no. very Imagine how scared a black mother in Mississippi has to be to decide to call the cops yeah. in the early hours of a Saturday morning, you know? Yeah, it's just something. And this also, you know, before we close, mm-hmm. I want to bring up a, an ongoing conversation people have around the Second Amendment and gun rights. So there's been a lot Mm -hmm. of jokes on the internet that say, you know, if we really want to curb gun access, you know, arm more black people, like make marketing material with black people holding it or have trans people hold guns. That was like a whole news cycle that the New York Times even Mm -hmm. covered, like trans people with guns. However, 
with black people, America is literally built on denying access, legal access to guns for protection for black people. Before black people even had equal rights under the constitution, the reason why they didn't want to give it to them according to cases like Dred Scott versus Sanford in the 1800s was because to give black people post-slavery full access to guns or the second amendment right would then mean that they are equal full people under the law and they were not willing to do that. Guns have always been the final straw for so many people in the government from making black people real people in this country. Even so much that Malcolm X, that's why he was obsessed with guns. Ida B. Wells, the journalist who covered lynchings, she also said guns were the only way to stop lynchings. And even Martin Luther King himself, after his house was firebombed, wanted to get guns. We here at Vibe Check do not think everyone should be getting guns. That's not what we're trying to say here. But what's interesting in these cases, when you look at this case with the Hood family versus the Jordan Neely case with the Marine, who literally walked free mm forever after killing someone mm -hmm. on camera is that whenever black people have any access to something that protects them from intra-community violence, federal violence, whatever, they're immediately thrown into prison or jails and then mm -hmm. maybe they're set free. White people in America are allowed to stand your ground, but black women especially are not. And that's why we really wanted to show this case is because it really illuminates like she did everything right in the situation. And then when things became deadly force, which is what he used against her and could have killed her, she then responded with deadly force to protect herself. And even then, the state was like, you're going to jail. Sorry. I also want to say, okay, first of all, historian Carol Anderson has a book called The Second that, to Zach's point, really illuminates the relationship between the Second Amendment and anti-Blackness in this country. And like, like as Zach's pointing out, it's not a coincidence, and it goes basically to the beginning of the Constitution being written. But also, again, I just want to say that there's a scenario in which the other men in that room in Chicago, to take it back to the first case, there's a scenario in which they could have intervened. They could have, mm -hmm. and look, it doesn't have to get to the point that someone's swinging their arms and you're like, okay, well, you know, you could, of course, step in, speak up before it gets to that. This is an argument that kind of gets out of control. There's a scenario in which not only would they have been able to prevent violence against this woman, to prevent a child having to watch his mother get beaten and then make, you know, an irreparable decision, they also could have saved that man's life. Yeah. But instead, I think it's very clear that these men, and I think we all have to think about whether you identify or don't with the decisions they made, they were so aligned with patriarchy that they mm -hmm. would rather step out of the way and laugh along with a man behaving in a way they agree with, even if it dooms him. Yeah. And that is how patriarchy dooms all of us. Yeah. And to really land the plane on that point, the big lie patriarchy has told us for centuries, since the beginning of time, is that men are in power because they protect women and children. The men mm -hmm. need to run the state. They need to run the bank. They need to run everything because women and children need to be protected. Mm -hmm. But what we know to be true, especially when you're a woman in this country, is men barely, rarely ever protect you, ever. They're really mm -hmm. interested in protecting themselves. In this incident, that's the most glaring thing here, is that if men had just protected a woman, they would have protected a fellow man, a community, so much. But they didn't. And they let violence happen. And what happens with violence is that violence begets violence and, you know, it spreads mm -hmm. like a virus. And that's what happens. So we do feel so terrible that life was lost. But we do think folks who are looking at this case can learn a lot about gender violence in the state and all this. It just is really heartbreaking. But we're glad that the mother and her son are out and able to try to imagine what life looks like moving forward from here. Yeah, I, I wish them healing. I wish them healing. And for other people, I mean, you know, if you've had 
your own experiences with domestic violence and this kind of violence, even just hearing about these kinds of incidents can send you spinning yeah. too. So if this if this has lit you up in, in, in a hurtful way, I want to acknowledge that as well and, and send you warmth. Yeah, yeah, so much warmth. Well, with that, we're going to take a quick break, but stay tuned. We'll be right back with the cookout. Or where did the cookout go? Because we're, we're one. <laughs> Which is like, uh, uh, true, because after trauma, I'm like, I need comfort. I need some comfort yeah, need food. food. <laughs> so let's talk about it. <laughs> Sisters, ladies, when you think of summer, what feels to you quintessentially summer? I have an answer, but I want to hear from y'all. Festivals. Festivals? Yes. <laughs> festivals, festivals. Being outside. Music festivals. <laughs> getting outside. I love them all the time. And I'm happy to now talk about what I think is the best summer music festival. It is called the Essence Festival of Culture, presented by Coca-Cola. It's back in New Orleans for its 29th year. And let me tell you, if you like music festivals, if you like concerts, you got to be there. This is the one. This, this is, is the, one. the one. This is the one. And it's been the one. The four-day event runs from June 29th through July 3rd. This year's Essence Festival is extra special as it includes a curated 50 years of hip-hop celebration. And they have the most amazing people to help show those 50 years of hip-hop and who has helped pioneer that. They got people like Miss Lauren Hill, Missy Elliott, Megan The Stallion. They're all performing. And I just, to see those girls together is just iconic to a level come I on. can't even believe. Ooh. Just getting Lauren Hill is iconic. Yes. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> the Essence Festival of Culture, presented by Coca-Cola, has something for everyone. It is truly a multi-generational experience. The kiddos and the aunties and the youths and the elders. And the uncles are invited as well. Yes. The cousins too. (laughs) Also, this is great. You can receive special rates on hotels when booking through essencefestival.com. So don't wait. Mm -hmm. Sign up for a weekend of culture. I like that. A weekend of culture at essencefestival.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey there, Zach Stafford, co-host of Vibe Check. And something I heard really early on in my career was this phrase that has never left me. It is, you can't be what you can't see. And for me, that is so true. All of the Black people I got to grow up and watch on television, be journalists, and so much more are the foundation to why I continue to have a media career. And that's the case for so, so many people. And if you're looking for the next generation of influential Black voices in media, you can find all of them on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. 
All right, we are back. And now we're going to talk about the cookout. Where have all the cookouts gone? Look, you know, Juneteenth, of course, was just a week or so ago. And Fourth of July is coming up. And it's so funny when I think about, you know, summer, you know, in my memory, the cookout, the smell Mm -hmm. of barbecues. Ooh, baby, a hot dog in my hands, you know, is such an important part. But I realized, I was like, damn, it's it really is more of a memory now. It's not something (laughs) that I see happening. I thought it was just me. I was like, look, I lived in New York. No one has a backyard in New York City. And then I'm, you know, I'm living in Columbus and seemingly everybody has a backyard and the cookouts aren't happening. Zach, when's the last time you went to like a legit cookout? Uncle back there on the grill. We brought this up as kind of a joke. We're like, what are we doing Mm -hmm. for the holiday? You assume 4th of July cookouts. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I have not been to one in so long because I'm going to throw one on Sunday because my little brother and my sister are coming. Okay. And it was like the most obvious thing to do was like, okay, I need to find a place to grill and because I have family together. That's what you uh-huh. do. And that's when I realized I feel with family a lot. I fly to Tennessee if I ever were to mm-hmm. see them, but no one's been cooking anymore. And it has been this thing of why don't we come together in this way? Because when I was a kid, it happened so, so much. And why I remember this so well is that I'm obviously, as people know, a, a mixed baby of God. I don't know why I have to say of God, but I am a mixed, <laughs> mixed person. Baby of God. I was like, is that a phrase? Is oh, that no. a- <laughs> but um being mixed, you know, I have one parent that's black, one parent that's white. My mother is white. I love her so much. But she had a lot of anxiety, I think, going to my first black family <laughs> event. <laughs> because she was the one white person that was like, please don't invite me to the cookout. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like, like on Twitter, girl. that's a whole thing of white people being proverbially invited to the cookout. I was like, no, yes. girl, you stay your yeah, ass like, no, at home. <laughs> And she, she did love it. And she got along with everyone. But I just remember growing up and seeing so much harassment at black events. And this is like the 90s where, you know, we were really beginning to talk about interracial love in a new way. You have, you know, Wesley Snipes' uh, Jungle Fever coming mm-hmm, out. And you're seeing mm-hmm. content about mixed love and and uh, don't come in here with that potato salad exactly i mean i don't think they let her bring any food actually (laughs) you know it's important to so i guess as i started thinking about it my sense is that the cookouts well okay two things one i think this might be a millennial and younger predicament and I say that in the sense that I'm like, well, we don't have homes. Yeah. Like, to host a cookout, you know, because cookouts are often, it's like a tradition. You know, when I'm with my family back in Memphis, like, I know exactly which family is probably most likely to host the cookout, all that kind of stuff. And it's, so it's like, I, I think the idea of enough of us having homes, having backyards, and then, like, owning a grill, knowing how to grill, there's something, there's a relationship between the fact that it's less likely for millennials to own Mm -hmm. homes, to own property. But also, you know, grilling to me is a very, at least maybe this is just true in my family. I mean, on my dad's side of the family, like they would have like an annual barbecue contest that was, Mm -hmm. I mean, we're talking 12 people with, I mean, it was, it was ruthless, very competitive actually. You know, people would protect their recipes, that whole thing. So there's something about tradition also, Mm -hmm. you know, like it was, at least in my family, it was no small thing to know how to grill, to be invited to come yeah. stand beside, you know, whoever, your auntie, your uncle, whoever was grilling and for them to kind of show you what to do. Yeah. And so I, I don't know. It feels like there's been a rupture, a break yeah. <laughs> where yeah. that's just not happening for maybe yeah. a few reasons. I brought this up to a friend last night. I told them that we were doing this this conversation. I was like, you know, and they're, they're black uh, and queer. And I said, you know, Saeed and I are going to talk about how there are no more cookouts. And they were like, yeah, because we're all working too much. I was like, oh, that's so funny. (laughs) Wait a minute now. I was like, huh. And then they began, they're like, well, yeah, we work a lot. All of us have like 
different types of jobs, different schedules. And we obviously know black people have been working in this country for a long time. So that may not be Mm -hmm. particularly the case, but they were also like, things have gotten expensive too. Like I can't imagine buying all that food for people because like, especially with inflation now. So it feels like, and they're also like, I live in an apartment where I can't grill. So there's all these larger factors coming to play that really block us from doing this, which I'm like, when did that happen? And how did that happen right in front of our eyes that we went from all growing up in a community or in spaces where we were coming together a lot? You know, Sam has talked about this on the show, The Third Space, you know, where people can mm. come together outside of work and in all those oh, other spaces to be together. But like the cookout has, it's kind of like evidence that that has disappeared for some of us, many of us. Huh. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. So like the cookout, the block party. It's funny, I hadn't really thought of them as third spaces, but they are. They're, they are. Yeah. Huh. And so maybe as those other versions of the third space are going away, the community organization, the church that you go to every week, then maybe just the kind of mindset of like cookouts mm-hmm. being an important value part is just like not at the forefront of our mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not there. Well, huh. what would you say, because now I'm in the, the mode of I'm going to have a cookout on Sunday. So mm-hmm. what are things that you think for those that are listening that want to have a cookout? What makes a good cookout? What have you loved most about a cookout? What's kind of like the cookout thing to do? Um, well, hmm. well, I, well, I'll tell you, my, my, I make a pretty good burger. May I just say? Really? I make it I at home by myself on, on my little George Foreman grill. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. What do you put in this burger? I make a cute little bougie burger. Um, one thing that I, I, I always change up the seasoning. I mean, obviously you need salt and pepper and a few other, I like to get some of those like barbecue seasonings that I like to use and try out. A little bit of cinnamon. Mm. I like having capers in my burger patties. Sometimes I'll chop up sun-dried tomatoes and kind of and just mix it in to the These burger patty. These are fancy-ass burgers. Wow. <laughs> it's just the delight. I think it, it they, they add like kind of like a spark of, of flavor, you know, to the bites. Yeah. Something I think is important, but is often overlooked, good bread. Like bringing good buns, mm-hmm. going a couple of notches up in price, I think actually makes a big difference. It makes a big yeah. difference from like sad yeah. little burgers and hot dogs. What about you? I so totally agree with the burgers. I saw a TikTok the other day that Hawaiian bread should be baked, which I didn't know. Did you know this? Oh, oh yeah. And that's the other thing. I, I put my buns on the grill. Like after the meat patties are done, I put yeah. them on a plate. And then I'm putting the buns right on there and let them soak up the juice and get a little warm and toasty. Yes. Yeah, that's important. Who would have guessed that Saeed would be giving cooking advice on Vibe I Check? was not expecting this. This is the only thing. This is the only thing. Chantel said people don't read the packages. That's why they don't know about the Hawaiian buns needed to be toasted. <laughs> True. True. But, okay, so, th- so there's that thing. The other thing, potato salad. I don't like potato salad. I don't like potato salad. But wait, can I tell you, did your family have a secret ingredient in potato salad? No. Because the one that I've heard consistently from like black friends and Puerto Rican friends, especially, mm-hmm. is sugar. You put sugar in the potato salad. And that's what makes huh. people like it. Yeah. That's like the secret to so much black cuisine is putting sugar Part in Part of my family, I felt like one of the very few things we could agree upon was that potato salad was maybe not so great. Really? Also, oh my God, coleslaw. That's another memory I have from cookouts. I hate coleslaw. I've hated I coleslaw, hate coleslaw my <laughs> entire life. Everybody else in my family, I, mean, I think it's very Southern. 
very black Southern dish. I felt like coleslaw was actually a part of like almost every meal. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, does it even count as greens anymore at the point that it's coleslaw? But I hate coleslaw. I've never, and people are like, you haven't had my coleslaw. It doesn't matter. People doesn't always, matter. that's the other thing at cookouts. When you say you don't like something, people will then say, <laughs> you haven't had my X. Like, I am the <laughs> exception. It's so bizarre. <laughs> You're right. It's such a weird, yeah. What about, okay, for drinks, mm. Kool Aid? You what gotta is, have this red. Has been a, red Kool-Aid, not purple, not purple, not blue. What are we in middle school? No, we are adults. We pay taxes and rent, and rent, which is why we don't have backyards for our cookout. (laughs) Red Kool-Aid, baby. And I better see enough sugar in there to make Oprah shake. Look, look, don't play with me and my Kool-Aid now. Gosh, now I have a craving for things that I can't have. have (laughs) We can find it for you. Go to Harlem today. (laughs) So what listeners, what you should just, you should play back what we just did there because this is a big thing on TikTok right now. I asked Saeed Jones what his favorite flavor of Kool-Aid is. He responded, not with flavors, cherry, blueberry, (laughs) anything. He responded with colors. That is not Red. (laughs) Red. Red. And the way I say red, Kool-Aid, it's like, it's not even R-E-D. It's like there's an A in the red. Yeah. Red, red. Kool-Aid. <laughs> the accent comes out pretty quickly. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> uh, yes. So, anyways, those it. are some of our favorite things. But, you know, before we close this out, Saeed, you brought up a historical form of a party. Yes. That I think is so cool. And I think if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, I don't have the money to do this. Sai Jones has an economical way to do I have a, party. a solution for you, baby. And look, I tell you, black people are from the future. We're also from the past. So <laughs> um, <laughs> a social phenomenon that, at least in my experience, it's like early 20th century. When I would read about it, it might even show up in jazz at one point briefly. There's illusion. So I'm talking 1920s, 1930s. This is very Harlem. This is very Chicago. This is very Philadelphia. Black people would have something called rent parties. And rent parties were, you're getting close to the end of the month. You need to make rent. You don't have the money. So you would throw a house party and you would, you know, and inflation being what it is, it's probably the time, like admission was probably 50 cents. Um, but you you would, <laughs> you would kind of charge everyone, you know, a little bit of money. And then you would use that money to pay your rent. And it would be th- these parties. I mean, you should Google it, look it up. There are pictures and descriptions. It's really fun. Some of our, our favorite literary icons, you know, Langston Hughes, Zora Neale Hurston, there are people who are like talking about rent parties. I just think it is such a fun idea. And... I don't know. Like, what if you, what? I was like, what if we could bring it back? Let's bring back cookouts. Let's bring back rent parties. Because I was like, I don't know. You could kind of go back and forth between a group of friends. Maybe if there are six of you every other month, one of you just hosts the rent party. <laughs> I don't I, know. It's just, I just think it's a fun I idea. I love this. I, I remember when I was living in Chicago, I would try to throw brunches. Mm-hmm. Um, we call them black banjee brunches, but it was a brunch mm-hmm. for black queer folks. A lot of black queer cis men would come, but if you were black and queer and you could come to it. And I would almost go broke by doing these brunches in my it early 20s. It can get expensive. It can get so expensive. expensive. And my hack was buying, you know, fried chicken from the store. So you can buy a bunch of fried chicken. Smart. Pretty cheap. But I now wish I would have charged cover because I could have really... <laughs> Just a little... Just, just a, little, a little. Just a little. Because people, some there are those people that come to cookouts or events and don't bring anything and take everything. And that like really gets oh, on my nerves. So yeah. 
much. So I'm just like this this idea of a rent party to to just kind of give back, make it more equitable is really smart because I've I've also been seeing people joke about um, there was this one TikTok. It was an older person, black person, posting about how they woke up, they want to have a cookout but didn't have any food, so they turned on the grill and began calling friends saying, "Hey, I got burger patties. I just don't have buns. If you come over, bring some buns." And I'll make the burgers, but also you can bring some wine. And you then go through your list of friends and each have them bring one thing. You'd be like, oh, I got everything but red Kool-Aid. Red <laughs> can you pick up some red Kool-Aid? <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like, you know, doing, uh, being inventive. Create the space, invite people and see what they bring. And that can be your cookout. Yeah. I just love the spirit of deciding to bring people together. I think that's really yeah. what I, I just, and I, I just think, look, I believe in alone time. I'm a Sagittarius. I love, I'm the party hermit. <laughs> Um, Mm -hmm. So as much as I love being at the party, I love being in my cave by myself. But um, I think it's important when we can come together, we need to be together. And and that laughter and that warmth and the music and, of course, the food, it's no small thing. And and we deserve that. So I hope maybe this inspires some people who are ambivalent about the I hope some of y'all decide to do a cookout. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's you. Yeah. And maybe it has to be smaller scale because you got to do it in your little your little studio apartment and you don't you don't have a backyard. Like, look, I, but look, I can throw down on my George Foreman grill. Don't play with me. Don't play with me. <laughs> if you, I would love to see someone do a, a barbecue uh, with the George Foreman. They could probably get a brand deal from mm-hmm. that. You should do that. Film it on TikTok <laughs> and then pitch it. <laughs> oh my god. Well, we um, will leave it there for now. But don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with our recommendations. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Tired of fighting your kids to make their bed? Say hello to Betty's. The unique design lets your kids make their bed with just a zip. Our patented bedding includes everything you need, a fitted sheet, top sheet, and comforter in one seamless piece that zips together. Kids love the feeling of accomplishment when they can make their bed by themselves every day. Make your mornings easier and visit Betty's.com. That's B-E-D-D-Y-S.com. We are back, and before we end the show, we always like to share something that's helping us keep our vibes right or throwing us off this week. And Sai Jones, it's just you and I today, so you're going to go first. And I know you okay. have something fun to share with me. Yeah, I, as a survivor of North Texas, <laughs> uh, I am proud. I'm always proud of another former North Texan, Kelly Clarkson. I just think she's a delight. And woo, that woman can sing. She she can can sing. And she has a new album out now. I don't know how many... Because I I think I knew that she was married, but it wasn't something like on the top of my mind. But I definitely knew when I found out she was getting divorced from her husband, who I believe, I think Kelly Clarkson has... like being, Yeah, and that's what I was about to say. That unfortunate distinction of like, it's happened to too many women. And of course, we're, you know, we're still thinking and acknowledging the loss of Tina Turner. And of course, like part mm-hmm. of the problem was that 
Ike Turner wasn't just her abuser and husband. He was also like her business partner kind of manager. And that just, I don't know. I, I hope with Kelly, it was not nearly, you know, as, as intense as that. But it just, it doesn't seem like a great arrangement. Anyway, her new album is called Chemistry. And it is, it is, y'all, it is a bona fide divorce album. Ooh, buddy. I mean, the first track is called Skip This Part, where she's basically like, can I just skip all the heartbreak? I would really like to basically emotionally oh, fast that. forward. Yeah, and you're like, huh? And so that gets to me. Um, one of my favorite songs right now, um, because it's one of the more, it's a little bit more up-tempo, is Down to You. And, okay. and she just has a refrain in the song where she says something like, it must be cold in your veins. And she's just wow. like, just like, how can you act? She's basically just like, how can you act like that? It must be mm -hmm. cold in your veins. And so she's like, I can't dance with the devil on my back. I just love it. I'm just like, come on, Kelly, Kelly with the bars. Okay, Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> come on, Madam Kelly Clarkson. It's good. But so I'm just so Ooh. happy that she was our first American Idol winner. She was the very first yes. one. Uh -huh. And she beat Justin Guarini. I just remember I had that curly hair. She's incredible. So yeah, check it out. Let me know your favorite song, Brandon Girl. Um, okay, what's your what's your recommendation for the week? Zach? People are texting us a lot of foolishness today. Names oh we don't want to see from the American Idol popping up. Um, so my recommendation is uh, the Sex and City spinoff, and just like that, season two. I will say the show. Most days makes me miss the original a lot because I think mm. the original is better. And I still haven't decided, is it just my nostalgia that takes me back to the first version of it? Or is it better? I don't know yet. But all I do know is I've let go of wanting this new version to be something that it's not. I'm now leaning mm. into what it is. And what it is is Miranda having lots of sex with dildos with... Che, played by Sara Ramirez, oh. which Sara Ramirez got tons of flack for last season. And, you know, I've just let go. Like, God, some of these characters can be annoying, which means I'm just going to watch them every week and they're going to be annoying to me and it's going to be fine. But our dear friend Samantha Irby is a writer and producer on the show. And I just, oh, I'm just like leaning into the chaos of the show. The show is so chaotic <laughs> on every level. It will probably be one of those shows that I watch on TikTok. At yeah. some point, I'll talk about this in more detail, but I have this thing now where I'm watching like entire shows and movies just out of order via TikTok clips. Yeah. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. You do talk about watching just on TikTok a lot of things. Oh, it's a whole thing. I'm watching Vicious right now, a British sitcom starring Ian McKellen. It's really funny. Um, but yeah, I could see you in just like that, just kind of being like out of context. Because yeah, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not going to be seated for every week for it just yeah. like that. And I, I will say, the show is interesting. It's just like, I just get stuck in this nostalgia loop with anything like that. That, the L word, queer as folk, etc. Where I'm like, I'm always comparing it backwards instead of looking forward. And the show, if you just let, let go of the original and just inter and let yourself kind of swim in these new lives mm -hmm. of new women you're meeting, because there's a lot of new characters, then it's great. Mm -hmm. Enjoy. It's also, I mean, look, this writer strike and these studios clearly just refusing to compromise. Beggars can't be choosers. You better Truly enjoy can. whatever original programming we have yes. for as long as we have it. Also, with yeah. them deleting all the shows, damn, yeah. Mm. You, not much all is right. left. Well, I will say, if you are still looking at uh, shows on Max, I will say last week I said uh, Swiping America was great. New episodes dropped. Still great. Getting better. Okay. More interesting. Perfect. The queer guy, Chris, Krishna, mm -hmm. shares some things this week where it makes me like him a little bit more. Still oh, he's warming there. up for you? Slow he's burn. warming up. But, you know, I think okay. maybe up until the finale, I'll share every week how it's going. Uh, the show is really, that. it's really something. It's really something. Okay. So, All right. All right. So, listeners, what are you feeling or not feeling this week? What's your vibe? Check in with us at vibecheck at stitcher.com. 
that's our show this week. We did it. We did it. We did it. We did it. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Vibe Check. If you love the show and want to support us, please make sure to follow the show on your favorite podcast listening platform and tell a friend, tell another friend, tell all your friends. Huge thank you to our producer, Chantel Holder, engineers Sam Kiefer and Brendan Burns, and Marcus Hom for our theme music and sound design. Also, special thanks to our executive producers, Nora Ritchie at Stitcher and Brandon Sharp from Agenda Management and Production. And again, we want to hear from you. Don't forget, you can email us at vibecheck at stitcher.com and keep in touch with us on Instagram at Zach Staff, at The Ferocity, and at Sam Sanders. You can use the hashtag VibeCheckPod. Stay tuned for another episode next Wednesday featuring none other than Penn Bashley himself. Bye. Bye. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Tired of fighting your kids to make their bed? Say hello to Betty's. The unique design lets your kids make their bed with just a zip. Our patented bedding includes everything you need. A fitted sheet, top sheet, and comforter in one seamless piece that zips together. Kids love the feeling of accomplishment when they can make their bed by themselves every day. Make your mornings easier and visit Bettys.com. That's B-E-D-D-Y-S dot com.